Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. I can't believe how nice it has been here. It's gorgeous. How how warm did it actually get the last two days? Didn't it get close to 90 degrees? Yeah, it was 87 degrees last week, though, in the middle of the week, and then the next day it was like 30, so. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was it, Saturday that it got real hot? Super that it was hot. really, yeah. Today was pretty dang beautiful. Today, it was it was, they said it was supposed to get 70. I don't know what it actually And it's a long weekend because we have President's Day coming up on Monday. So long here we are in you. the studio doing our doing our thing. And in case you didn't recognize this voice in here, this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Oh, okay. hey. Kelly. Kelly Talent. She's been on the show before. Nicole <laughs> is doing her French homework. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> yes, she's, she's in French class and it's kind of kicking her butt a little bit. So she needs to take some days off. Of all the romance languages, French is the most difficult, so good yeah. luck. <laughs> I, I take my hat off, my beret off to her. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to speak French. I don't either. I never took French. I took Spanish. I took Spanish. No French. Yeah, me neither. I can do the lines from um, that Moulin Rouge song. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might Parlez be able to do Francais. that. That's about it for my Is that do you speak French? French? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know how to say no in me French. Me neither. We oui is yes. That's about, about all I got. No estés español. <laughs> Actually, I know no a little habla. bit of Spanish. No habla. Thank you. No no habla. What did I say? No what? I don't know what you said, but that wasn't right. Because well, you know I have to correct you. It's like my thing. That is your thing. <laughs> it really is. I'm such a bitch. I do it more on social media than anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I had a little bit more of Spanish because when I worked at one of the jobs that I worked, one of, and I was a title clerk, one of the other title clerks was from Mexico, and she would help a lot of the Mexican dealers, and she would take me up there because she would talk to me in Spanish to see if I would understand her. And she used to always take me up there and call me um, Blanca. Blanca. Blanca Chica, white chick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what she would call me to the Mexican dealers, and they thought it was funny, obviously. Of course. Well, I knew what it meant, and it you didn't hurt my feelings chick. or anything. We're all white chicks here. Yeah. We're all book chicks, too. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah, I would have to agree. And it's been uh, kind of a slow week, really, for me. I read a couple of books, but I wasn't really that passionate about any of them. And you had kind of a slow week, too, didn't you, I Bonnie? did. I, I texted you earlier and said, I, I don't I'm know not what liking my books this week. It's hard. You, well, I, I shouldn't say it's hard, because for me, I usually I read so much that I've always got a couple of spares, but not everybody reads like I read. Yeah. Not everybody has no life. I've been consuming news far too much. So I've been reading Ugh. articles far more often than books these days. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. And we are going to get into the politics here in a minute. But um, let's start out on a lighter note today, shall we? I like it. I have a Especially light after last week, you know. Yes. Last week, we had to put a disclaimer on our show because all we did was talk about sex the whole time. So, Ooh, did you read Fifty Shades or something? No, 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 no. no. We we read a little bit more obscure titles, but right. I have read Fifty Shades and I just didn't really. It was care hideously for it bad. That much. I mean, I wouldn't read it because I don't think the S and M thing is something I want to read about. Not yeah, but you know what? The it sad was... thing is, is it's not really even. At least the first book, I I didn't get past the first book. There's a little bit of S and M in it, but not really. A lot, and it just... Fifty Shades, let me tell you. Fifty Shades is a 13-year-old girl's idea of romance and writing style with a whole bunch of sex inserted. So fan fiction. Mm -hmm. It's horrid, And basically. it's not even very horrid. imaginative sex. No. It's uh, not. It's I'm terrible. sorry, it's not. I, I, didn't I, read I it. tried to read it. I did not even make it through Excuse the book. Me. I was... Yeah, and want, I like a little sex just like everybody else does, but that was really super bad. The book I talked about last week, if you like that sort of book, 
that's a really fun read that's sexual in nature is a Venus of Delta. And it's short stories about promiscuous French girls in the 1900s. <laughs> what did you say? It was written by a French person f- specifically for an Oklahoma guy right, in the as 40s. A personal collector. It wasn't written for publication. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and it was written for this individual who's well, from Oklahoma. He was so. just loaded and was like, Write me about your French girls. Yeah. <laughs> I need some erotic. It's hilarious. I need an erotic novel about I'm going to read girls. it. But it so, was, yeah. it's not, I mean, if you get offended easily, don't <laughs> no, read it. No, last, last week, week's, uh, it was a fun book. Last sorry, week's episode was. was a little bit far. But we're not going to go there this week. No, we're Promise. not. We will we'll be take good. it back down to PG 13. <laughs> and my book is actually even PG. There wasn't even any sex in my book at all. Because it's about a little kid. Oh. It's called The Forgetting Time by Sharon Guskin. And what it's about, it's about a little boy who remembers his past life. He then, remembers his past life? It's like he's been How reincarnated. old is this little boy? <laughs> he's only like four. He's really, really young. And he, when he's talking, he talks about like his other mother. And he'll talk about... Like reading the Harry Potter novels, but obviously he's four. He's never read them, and his mom's never read them. He's never watched the movies. And he'll talk about, you know, different things that he's never done. And the mom is just really like, oh, he's four. He's making up stories. You know, kids have imaginary friends. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, he starts talking about this stuff at, at daycare, and the daycare starts bringing the mom in for conferences and then he says something about shooting a gun and then they're like you know huge red flag and he's also extremely afraid of water he doesn't even like to take baths or showers nothing she has to fight with him every time he takes a bath which isn't too unusual with little kids it depends on the kid but yeah right but he tells his teacher at daycare that somebody held him under the water until he couldn't breathe. So then they bring the mom in and they they start accusing her of abuse. And she's like, like, no, listen, he makes these up. I don't understand where he gets this. I've never... God, that would be horrible. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, and I mean, the teacher As a mom? That's a freaking nightmare. It is. Could you imagine being called in and being accused of abusing your son when you've never done anything? And the teacher's like... What did you do to your son? Because she's mean about it, which Holy. she has to be, well, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I'm sympathizing with the mother. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know you that can't tell hard. me the end, but now that... I have to read it so I can oh find out. Oh, my gosh. It's... <laughs> this poor mom. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, she's like, she has to take him out of daycare and put and try to get Does she psychological put... help for him because... That's what I was just going to ask, if she puts him in... Counseling. Well, she, yeah, she had to tell the teachers that she was... She had to prove it to the teachers that she was in counseling so they didn't turn her into the state. Jeez Louise. For abuse. Yeah, and then one psychologist tries to say that that he's um, got schizophrenia. Well, he, yeah, he's I mean, four. that would be really hard because how are you, how are you going to... You can't diagnose you gonna, a kid that young with something oh, but like I that. Know. Believe me. Yeah. You can't do an access one diagnosis under the age of 18 anyway. But yeah. There are definitely whatever. kids that present that young. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I sure mean, there I've are. seen uh, there's a there's a documentary out there on a girl who who started very very young, two or three years old. She kept trying to kill her little brother, huh. and it Dang. was a really great documentary. I think it might be on Netflix, but I can't remember the name of it. But still, there are kids who do really bizarre shit when they're little, right? Yeah, but as a parent, that's like your worst nightmare. Right, of being accused of doing these horrible things to your child when you haven't. Ugh. So anyways, this is where this this mom is, and she's a single parent. Um, her son is the result of a one-night stand that she had one time. Oh, and that's she didn't even know <laughs> the, the guy's last name, and when she tried to find, you know, cause she tried to do the right thing. When she tried to find him, I think she ended up figuring out his first name was fake, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... Complete one night stand. So she doesn't have any, you know, she's doing this all by herself, basically. 
I bet she's wondering like what what the dad was like when he was little. Right. So <laughs> that's what is, I'd be doing. I'd uh-huh. be like, what? Because they they ask her, well, does the father have any problems? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> if you find him, ask him for me. <laughs> and so this is the state of mind that the mom's in. So she's googling around on you know like what we all do. <laughs> These are my symptoms. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and she comes across an article of a scientist who was doing studies about little kids who remember past lives. And most of them are in different countries. Well, because people in America don't, they're not very... Open um, to that kind of thing. No, they're not. A lot of that wackadoo stuff just gets put on the back burner. People go, no. But a lot of it's like in India where they believe in reincarnation Reincarnation, and it's part of their religion over there, isn't it? I mean, physics does state that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So it has to go somewhere. Right. And I do think that there is some kind of energy in all humans. So I think I can believe in it a little bit. And if I was that woman, I would have been doing the same thing on Google already. Like, (laughs) why does my kid have all of these weird memories? And they're like, reincarnation? Yep, that's the one. That's got to be it. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, so she gets together with this scientist as kind of a last ditch effort to find out what's wrong with her son because she's like I don't want to give him you know schizophrenia medication because of all of these side effects that can happen and he's four years old I mean he's so young so and he's actually writing a book which she's not too keen on her son being in a book but the therapist is writing a book the scientist scientist scientist, yes and um but she goes ahead and gets together with them, and they do research about deaths that had occurred that have specifics that her son remembers. Like, he remembers, like, the name of his favorite baseball team. And he remembers that, you know, he had a red door on his on his house. I think he remembers that. But just weird things like that. So then they try to Google and find something that he remembers. And he also talks about having a brother. So they take this information and they, the scientists start searching around to see if they can find this little boy's past life so that they can go and, you know, this sounds awesome, confront him. And it, it, it really is a very, it kept me. Like this would make a great movie or like even TV series for that matter. It would make a good TV series. A really great one. I would yes. totally watch that. <laughs> and it just, it really kept me interested. And I like what the author did. She kind of put inserts about actual stories of other little kids who remember past lives. Through the scientists, I'm through assuming. Through the scientists, through yeah. different studies that he did. But then they talk about these other kids that remember, they remember being married. They remember having kids they remember how they died they remember all of these weird things and all of them are under the age of six that's crazy okay i was just i was looking this up just now because this was in the news back in 2014 or 2015 uh little boy solves an old murder yeah this actually happened where this little kid has memories of his killer and actually finds the killer. Yeah. And this that's how this book plays out. Wow. They find his old family and he bumps. ends up. <laughs> I know. No, I re- this is really. Uh, th- when she was telling me about the book, I'm like, dude, I remember hearing yeah. about this news story where this little kid actually found the killer of who, of his past life and gave evidence. You know, they he told him where the body was buried. Yeah. And that's what happened with this one. It came up on Google. I just Googled it just now. Three-year-old recalls past life locates his body and identifies the killer. Now, how creepy is that? But it's a really good book. The murderer is not who you thought it would be. The way that he's actually killed, his past life is killed, was... It wasn't an abuse thing? (laughs) No, it wasn't an abuse thing, but it's very... I mean, it's not really dramatic, dramatic, but it's not what I would have thought it would be. Hmm. Nice. So I didn't figure, I mean, I... You didn't figure it out? What is the name of this book again? It's called The Forgetting Time, and it's Hmm. not a long read. I read this in just a few days, because I I listened to the audio, and it was only a few days, and it's by Sharon Guskin, and it's just... Hmm. 
I believe in reincarnation, so this was right up my alley anyways. Well, I have to say that when, when my son was small, he was not even three yet. He was obsessed by China, by the Great Wall of China, by anything Chinese. I mean, to the point where it was frightening. Mm-hmm. And he would say things that would just... And it really had me questioning. Yeah. My sister was pregnant with my niece when she went to my great-grandma's funeral. Mm-hmm. And when my niece was little, like just barely walking, she used to tie, like to take scarves, like silk scarves, and tie them around her neck like an old lady. And she'd walk around pursing her lips like my grandma used to do. <laughs> my great-grandma, seriously, she did that... It's kind of creepy. Why didn't she have any teeth? Didn't she have any teeth? Well, she would click her. She would click her False dentures. Teeth. And but of course, you know, my niece couldn't do that, so she'd walk around going. I wish you could see her face. Right I thought now. my cat was um, my grandma, like my grandma's reincarnated spirit for the longest time. And I know that sounds really crazy, but no, there's certain no crazy stuff that here. her cat Blue used to do, and she would get on to him for it. So Benson does these exact things and he stares at me like, are you watching? Do you see that I'm doing this? And I'm always like, quit it, Graham. And he'll like lay down and stare at me. And I'm like, so I don't know. It's whatever. I kind of believe in reincarnation a little bit too. No big deal. I do. I like all of that stuff, though. I'm so weird. No, like I said, there's no weird here. We're not. This is a non-judgment zone. Um, I don't know. Unless you like Fifty Shades of Grey and then we will judge you. No. I don't think it's weird to like that kind of stuff anyway, because if you look at popular culture, you see the occult and, you know, similar themes constantly found throughout it. So I think that all people have some kind of fascination with otherworldly things, the things that can't be explained. Oh, definitely. And especially since, like, you know, for people in general, we're trying to constantly absorb new information. It's always like, what's next to discover stuff like that? The things that we can't prove are even more fascinating to us because those are questions that aren't answered yet. Or like Agreed. when you're sitting home alone and you just know somebody's there. You just have this feeling that somebody's watching you. Yeah. And you're like, hey, dude, the other day I'm sitting on my couch, right? And I've got this this vase that sits right next to my um, fireplace. And it has one stem of flowers in it. Just mm-hmm. one. And it, it's a tiny little opening on the top of the vase. So it's not like the flowers flop around or anything. It's yeah. The flower moved. I mean, it's in my line of sight, right? I could hear it scratch along the bottom of the vase. That's pretty yeah. creepy. That's weird. It was very creepy. At first I thought, oh, it must have been an earthquake because you know we do get earthquakes here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But I went on the thing and I started looking it up and there was n- there were no earthquakes. So I, I think I had a little visitor in my house it could be there, I mean there were no open windows there was nobody else in the house you know Again, you look for logical explanations and sometimes there just isn't one I do think that like I said that energy can't be created or destroyed and it has to go somewhere whether that's reabsorbed into you know the place where someone died or however it is it goes somewhere hmm. I really think that yeah. and it just explains like like sometimes you meet somebody and you just have such a connection with them. A weird like, kinship immediately. Like right away. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's almost like you knew that person in a past life. Oh or my that gosh. inexplicable pull to a certain place. And when you be there or when you stand there, you feel like you've been there before and like you belong there. Like you're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. More places that you've never been that oh, you guys. have this weird pull to. I am yes. totally changing my book. Okay. Because I had two. We're going to talk about reincarnation after we talk about Kelly's book. Oh, well, mine wasn't. I mean, well, actually, you and I had this discussion at work. Kelly and I work together. Um, She's Jack and Ron's producer for Fun 96.9. And uh, we were having this discussion about classic books that describe the current political climate. And And I said Fahrenheit 451. And I said 1984. And we both read them. And I was like, Kelly, you've got to come on and talk about this book. Everybody knows those two names. Most of us have had to read them for school or for some other reason. But they're just so relevant right now. Why don't you give us 
your take on this, Kelly? So Fahrenheit 451 is by Ray Bradbury. And I first of all, I really like his style of writing because it's uh, kind of disjointed. Um, it's more done in a conversational setting than anything else. And a lot of what you take from the book is in what he didn't say rather than what he said. Oh, and I really lines, yeah. appreciate that because that takes a skill that a lot of writers don't have. And he crafts the story perfectly. And there's a lot of times where you're, you have, they, you get questions constantly. You just have more and more and more questions, and eventually they will be answered. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate that ambiguous style of writing. It's difficult to pull that off and to keep people's attention when you don't fully know what's going on mm-hmm. at True. times, for True. sure. <clears throat> so, and also, like, he uses a lot of fragments and, like, kind of random little disjointed thoughts that I think add to that overall sense of, like, questioning that you kind of have throughout. So I love his style of writing. But uh, Fahrenheit 451 takes place in the future in some American city that's never named. And in this future, although honestly it seems like it's kind of our current, uh, (laughs) people don't read. They don't do anything but watch TV. Um, Their homes are, you know... A four-wall living room, all four walls are televisions. Yeah, that feels like today. Mm. So they have it? constant screens, you know, this overload. Um, they don't like nature. They don't go outside. They, If they exercise, they exercise inside watching their TVs. Oh, my gosh. Um, which, like I said, this sounds yes. more like now. But They have personal TVs on all of the treadmills now. Everything is about excitement and titillation and entertainment and nothing about... Um, compassion or empathy or passion for that matter they're all just sheep and they live their boring lives so guy montag is the main character and he is a fireman in the future but here's the catch see firemen in this world don't put out fires they start them oh Oh, so opposite it's been a long time since i read this would you like to know what they're burning yes what are they burning they're burning books books yeah, they're burning like this book <laughs> because literature is bad. Literature causes complications. It causes makes people, people to question think. things. Yes, exactly. We can't have them thinking. We want them docile. How are we you going to be a sheep if you have if your own you have thoughts? independent thought? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And mm. you know how infrequent it is for people to read these days. Well, we have this discussion often, Kelly. We do. We we discuss this constantly because you have. Especially when we're trying to find somebody to come on the show. Well, when we were looking for book podcasts, before we started doing the show, there was nothing or very few that we could find that were like what we wanted to do, which is why we started doing the podcast in the first place. But just in having discussions with people that we work with, look at the percentage of people just in our workplace that read. Yeah, Maybe one percent. They read books anyway. They read constantly, but they're reading news and entertainment things and and stuff about, um, yes, and stuff about artists and, you know, all the latest to stay up on the trend. Right, but But that's about it. But we're not talking about anybody that reads fiction. Right. And I would also like to say that people don't like when you think independently. They don't like when you question. I know I have I have made so many people mad. By asking questions when I don't mean anything bad about it. It's just I want to understand. I'm like, well, well, what about this? What about this? Why why don't you do it this way? They're like, oh, just do it this way and just quit arguing with me. Quit That's asking me questions. Basically the theme of Fahrenheit 451. So Guy Montag is happy with his fireman job. He loves doing what he does. He loves to burn. That's uh-huh. actually how the book starts out. The very first sentence is, it was a pleasure to burn. Ooh. <laughs> So, um, oh man, he loves his job. He loves everything about it. And he comes across a 17 year old girl named Clarice one day and she's a little bit off and she's noticing nature and she's asking him questions about, but doesn't that bother you? Well, what about this? Have you ever thought about this? And he doesn't understand why she's questioning. Why is she asking all these questions? So something sad ends up happening to her and it, gets him all in this in his thoughts and he's kind of starting to question but what it, he does. It and gets him thinking. It gets him thinking. And mm-hmm. so he tries to talk to his wife about it and she won't. And then she ends up trying to kill herself. And uh-huh. 
won't talk about it at all, just goes right back to watching TV and acting like everything is fine. So even though she clearly isn't fine with her mundane existence, because clearly she was suicidal, she's decided that that is what she wants. That's the life that she wants. She's content for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. So between the unfortunate event of Clarice, I'll just leave that alone and let you guys read it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the death of his wife, he kind of starts to wonder what's going on in these books. Mm-hmm. So he he's hidden some books from his childhood that had a, an emotional attachment, basically, something that he kept because it tied him to a family member. It wasn't really because he ever intended on reading it. So he pulls them out and he decides he's going to start reading them. So he does. Mm-hmm. And he actually he goes to his boss first. He goes to his boss, Beatty, who obviously is the fire chief. And he says, you know, this is perfectly normal. Every fireman goes through this at some point. We wonder why we're doing this. You know, you're going to question things. That's okay. But you have to you have to make it stop. So read as much as you can tonight, and then you need to turn in those books to me tomorrow. Oh. So he sends him home, and he's, he's just reading, he's reading, he's reading. And the more he reads, he keeps finding these poems. And um, his wife has a couple of friends over, and, you know, a few days previously she had tried to commit suicide. So he doesn't understand how she's just going forward. So he finds this poem in a book that he had read and he, he reads it out loud and she's embarrassed and trying to explain to the friends, this is things that firemen have to do sometimes. They, they, they're trying to prove why literature is so stupid. She's embarrassed because he's oh, reading. Yes. God. That's insane. To us, yeah. that's like blasphemous. It, it is pretty bad. Um, there's a There's a whole lot of the book that I related to so much because basically it was people with knowledge didn't have power. The people who had no knowledge, the people who were content to consume entertainment rather than information were the ones who had the majority voice. And that is pretty much where we are now. Sadly, (laughs) yes, because the thought, the the whole idea that you might question, especially if you happen to live in a state that has predominantly religious overtones they don't want anybody to question anything because that messes with the whole dynamic of acceptance of faith and that sort of thing and it in oklahoma honestly that's the majority yes i was gonna say not all but it is the majority and they tend to read when they do read religious texts um even their fiction is religious right and uh or leadership things that are based on the teachings of christ right they they will not accept any kind of anything that falls outside of that pretty much area because they don't question because if something happens that's that's god's will yes i'm not going to question it because that's how god wanted it to be so guy montag questions and Mm -hmm. he keeps questioning and then uh, he goes a little crazy. And they have these machines that hunt people down. Um, they're a hound. They're like a machine hound. I don't know oh. exactly how to describe it. Uh, again, with the ambiguous. So you don't, <laughs> right, you don't, right. you get an image of it, but not really. So mm-hmm. like I said, he leaves you always questioning. And I think he did that intentionally in this book because he wants people to always be questioning and to to, to allude to the power of books to leave you questioning and remind you why they should never be destroyed and what happens to society without this information. So he goes underground because he's decided, I want to read. I don't want to burn books anymore. I don't want to do this. So he finds a professor, that an Eng- a former English professor, professor that he knows has had an alarm sounded on before, and he thinks that there are probably still books at this professor's house. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the professor, and they make an arrangement to start publishing books. He's going to continue to be a fireman and he's going to burn some books and save some books. Mm-hmm. And he's been instructed to look for specific titles because they are the most pertinent, pertinent to humanity and they matter the most for the information that needs oh, to remain. So he becomes a savior of books. Until the hound thing starts oh. getting on his well, here's a question. trail and then he escapes to book lovers in the woods. And finds a ton of books. <gasps> ah. Okay, I have a question. If everybody in this novel are cheap and they just watch TV and entertainment, who's actually putting the information out there that these people are absorbing? Is it just the is, media? Is, it's is probably like, not explained, is it? It doesn't explain it, actually. It 1984 and did. See, Beatty, <laughs> hang on. I actually have a little excerpt from the conversation that 
Montag had with Beatty, his boss, about the about the reading, okay, and about what everything happened and how it how it got put to this. Okay. So, hang on, let me find the exact excerpt. It's okay, and because they had mass, they became simpler. Said Beatty. Once books appealed to a few people here, there, everywhere, they could afford to be different. The world was roomy, but then the world got full of eyes and elbows and mouths, double, triple, quadruple population, films and radios, magazines, books, leveled down to a sort of paste pudding norm. Do you follow me? I think so. Picture it. 19th century man with his horses, dogs, carts, slow motion. Then in the 20th century, speed up your camera, books cut shorter, condensations, digest, tabloids. Everything boils down to the gag, the snap ending. Snap ending, Mildred nodded. Classics cut to 15-minute radio shows, then cut again to fill a two-minute book column, winding up at last as a 10- or 12-line dictionary resume. I exaggerate, of course. The dictionaries were for reference. But many were those... But many were those whose sole knowledge of Hamlet, whose sole knowledge, as I say, was one page digest. So they just get it down. And that's how it It is. It does feel like people like that. And it's basically just talks about how more sports for everyone, group spirit, fun. And you don't have to think, A, organize and organize and super organize, super, super sports. More cartoons and books, more pictures. The mind drinks less and less. Impatience. Highways full of crowds going somewhere, 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 nowhere. The gasoline refugee. Towns turn into motels. People in nomadic surges from place to place. Following the moon tides. Living tonight in the room where you sleep this night and or slept this noon and I the night before. So he basically keeps alluding to the reference that as society got faster and faster and larger and larger, there was a need to stop it all because there was all this conflict and everyone was getting offended. He he goes on to say that. Yes, he goes on to say that. So, okay, you must understand that our civilization is so vast that we can't have our minorities upset and stirred. Ask yourself, what do we want in this country above all? People want to be happy. Isn't that right? Haven't you heard it all your life? I want to be happy, people say. Well, aren't they? Don't we keep them moving? Don't we give them fun? That's all we live for, isn't it? For pleasure, for titillation. And you must admit, our culture provides plenty of these. Oh, yes, it does. And that Mm. is brilliance right there. I know. It's crazy because this was written a long time ago, and it's prophetic in the about 50s wasn't it what this has gone down i think so I but i don't know 50s. exactly it was late 40s or early 50s well that so is how sad how society is though because everything is instant gratification now people don't want to read a book because it takes too long they want to watch the movie because they can get the whole book in two hours but what they don't realize is they don't get the same it's the not same the same as, story most no, of the time. Ever, no, ever, never. Not even remotely close to half the time. And it takes away from They're all like, oh, of the development of it. There are explosions in this. Let's put some explosions in. How about some more romance? Okay, let's put some more of that in there. It's like mm-hmm. comparing meeting it. somebody one time and talking to them for 20 minutes and having a friendship with somebody for 20 years. Because books give you character development and they mm-hmm. build to it along the way and you learn more and more and more and all the layers of that person are, you know, peeled away and revealed so that you understand them. Mm-hmm. You understand yeah. a, a perspective that you would never get in just seeing them in that one scene in a movie. Like, it doesn't work that way. It, well, it's easier that way, though. If you think about people don't have to put themselves out there. They don't have to be real. They don't have to exist on a complex level. They can just be a snapshot of themselves. Yeah. And, that's, and I think social media gives a lot of people that opportunity. It does. Because, I would have to agree, and I'm part of it. Yeah. Well, we have the, our job, we have to participate in it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. part of society. My Facebook would be shut down if it wasn't for my job. I wouldn't have it. I think I would still have it because... I have moved around so many times. Me too. I don't care. And I feel completely <laughs> disconnected with my past if I don't, because I have so many different groups of friends in different places. It gets overwhelming to me to call an old friend on the phone if you haven't talked to him in a long time. But you can just stalk them on Facebook and well, then what they're up to. Because then you have something to talk about. You go, oh, I saw that picture of your grandson. He is adorable. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you... Some a, a starting place. It it makes things less overwhelming to me. That's why I like it. I like it because it keeps me connected so that when I do run across those people, I can have conversations that mean something. Right. Mm-hmm. I found myself, as I was reading it, realizing that more so now than when I read it the first time 12 years ago, I I actually have a lot of 
<laughs> I have a lot of the bad stuff going on in my life. Like, okay, the the shortening things down, condensing, mm-hmm. trying to get stuff on a short. Okay, so I will be scrolling through Facebook, and sometimes I will literally read the title and get thoroughly incensed before I've even read the article. You know, yeah, and I realize I, do like, I don't too. even know the full story yet, and I'm angry already based on. The two Just, sentences right. of the headline. And that yep. is not enough to tell the whole story. And you I'm have guilty to force of it yourself. <laughs> you must force yourself to go forward yeah. and look not only at what the text says, and a lot of time, but where the source comes from. A lot of time, too, the headline is clickbait. It's not even... Well, right. It what, is. What There's all been times... In the article. I've clicked on stuff on, on Facebook, so I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds really interesting. And I'll click on it to read the article, and the article's nothing like what the headline was. No, yeah. not and at all. Like, Most really? of the time. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that... This was a waste of five Fahrenheit minutes. 451 alluded to was that watering down of information and that everyone's need for just little quick snippets. And that is causing of, like, such major problems. It is, because people only, get, people only get half the information... Or and the information that they do get, they hang on to for dear life, even if it's not true. Or even worse, if they only read half the article and don't get all the information, and then they go and tell half truths to everybody else, and before you know it, everyone's believing this one Ugh. thing without knowing the whole story. That's the unfortunate thing about the nature of the culture that we live in. Anyway, we live in the Google era, so mm-hmm. if I have a, a viewpoint. I'm going to find any article that will back that up, right? But somebody who has my opposing viewpoint can it's find it, an article thing. that can, that will refute yep. maybe one of my points, but not all of them. But they can do that, too. We will always be able to find information that defends our position rather than making us rather than really at the looking, other side of the position. Rather than really looking for the true story. Yes. Mm-hmm. The truth becomes what you want it to be. Instead of what it really well, is. Well, reality is perception at the end of the day. Exactly. But I feel like even We're, more so now because you have but the an truth, obscene amount of sources to go through to find yeah, all of this and stuff, see, too. I had a friend that we I used to argue with back and forth, and he used to say that the truth is relative. It is, sadly. And, but not all truths are relative. If I tell you it's dark outside... That's true. It is true. It's dark outside. You just ask our president. He'll tell you that it's not really dark outside, even if you can see that it's dark. Well, if the media says it, then it's It's not in another city, so, you know, it's not dark outside. Yeah. You're wrong. That's fake. That's fake (laughs) news right there. But you could tell me that the sky is blue, and I could argue with you that that is really just reflected light from the water, so... Well, it's actually, it's, yeah, the sky is blue because that's what we see out of the color spectrum that comes out of the sun. That's it. We could go on for days with this, really, so, seriously. But, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But <laughs> yeah, it's just, always... It just irritates me sometimes because sometimes true is true and you can't argue with that. If it's raining outside, you can't tell me that it's sunny. That is not true. And there's some things that are just true and some things that are just false. I know a lot of things can be argued, but sometimes it's just down to true and false. Is this right? Yes. Is this wrong? Yes. Two plus two is not five. I'm sorry, it isn't. That, that's right from 1984 right there, and they Is will it? argue against that. I just have to point out something really quick before we move to that, because you totally I'm moved to your I'm not going to do book. 1984, but go ahead. Oh, word. Um, Fahrenheit 451, the book itself. 451 is the number that all of the fire, the firemen wear um, on their uniforms and on their helmets. And the reason for that is because 451 degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature at what books burn. Oh. oh so that's the reason for the name. Yep. That's good information. And you know, there is is. a little tidbit of information that I would like to add to this. Ray Bradbury was in a, on a panel at a college, I believe it was. And there was a, an English professor there doing, you know, part of the questioning or whatever. And the English professor was explaining to the crowd how Fahrenheit 451 is about censorship Ray Bradbury said, no, it's not. That's not how I wrote it. And the English professor then proceeded to argue with the author about what the book about, about. what the intention of the book was. <coughs> like he said that he didn't write it about censorship. It might have some elements of that in it, but that isn't what he intended when when he was writing it. 
No, it was about the slow degradation of society and their lack of interest in information and with solely being entertainment based. You know, they wanted to just be pleased. That's it. It was about them wanting to have fun and forget anything else because fun is what matters. Right. But I could understand where he got censorship from it because they're burning the books so people don't read it so that they question. So they're censoring the information that they're giving to the people. But not really, though. I mean, because they're censoring. No, not everything. really. And if the I people who uh, I were still mean, alive when a lot of this started, because okay, apparently this has only been going on for a few decades. When this, like, when when we are when the story begins. Yes, when it, when the story begins, that's the uh, what's going down. So I lost my train of thought. And sorry, it's cool. sorry. <laughs> that's what happens when we do this show. We tend to digress a lot. We do. Sorry. It's okay. I really we'll don't interrupt you 10,000 so times. No I hope you'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eventually get back to the book. Like, honestly, I started watching that. And <laughs> yeah, like, we have so many different sources of, uh, of screen in this. We're in, yeah. we're in a radio station control room right now. Yeah. That's I, where we, where we uh, record our show. I do that, too. I'm like... And my book was about, look at the pretty lights. <laughs> I'm not understanding why a spot's coming up right. So I really did get distracted. You can see the commercials that are playing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Some of you are like, I got to make it already. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, you were pleased at having read it the second time. Yeah, I honestly feel like, if anything, it was sad the second time. The first time, it was fascinating and I had never... I had never read him before, so I had never dealt with that style of writing before. And after reading that book, I read Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is another one of his books. Because like I said, I really like his style of writing. It's very mm-hmm. just disjointed. And that's really, I don't know. If, okay, let's pretend that it's an independent film in a book. You know how like independent films do have like those really long like parts in between scenes where they're in the car drive and they're just staring off into the woods. Yeah. And they get mm-hmm. you kind of thinking like, oh, yeah. you know, this is adding to the setting of it and you know now that it's rural and that they're in like a poor place and blah, blah, blah. So you're like learning all these bits. Yeah. That's kind of how Ray Bradbury is. He's like the independent film writer of books. <laughs> that's a really cool way to put it. I mean, that's yeah, the only that way that I can think to well, describe it, what the tone is. And so... It sets Reading tone. it again this time around, it was kind of sad because, like I said, the current political climate. And the first time around, I was just, you know, absorbing all of this stuff and underlining things and writing in the margins and analyzing because I was doing it for like comp one in college. But yeah, it's it was different very when you different go back and around. you choose to read a book on your own after the fact. And when it, you find different. the parallels between your current reality and oh, yeah. this sad world where books are the are the enemy you know yeah are being well, destroyed it's not necessarily well in our in our world books aren't yet the enemy but it's almost like you can see that future well i mean you can kind of tell that even with the things like kindle and stuff i don't like all those i don't like to do that i like i, I don't I like paper but like give me a book that with paper that i turn the pages like i know you guys like audiobooks i do cool. but i also I can't. read regular books too i can't read it on a kindle yeah. no i can't do any of that I have a very hard time reading before. on a screen. I don't. It was okay, but I'd rather if I'm going to read, I want an actual book. I just do audio because I can do it in my car. Yeah. It's like, it just gives you. me the opportunity <laughs> to read more. That's the bottom line for me. Because you can listen and do things at the same time, right? I understand. And that's just a personal choice. It's not necessarily. Um, I just keep telling myself the library that I'll has to three copies of that book. Three three audio copies of that book. Yeah, we looked earlier. Because uh, wow. I wanted to see one of my friends I was talking to about this book, and she wants to read it as well. So we were looking, and there were only two book copies of it, one in Edmond and one in, like, Norman or something. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to drive somewhere for you to read this, lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just checked but it out, can. so I'm going to listen to it and, and put it on Did you actually my... check it out? I did, just now. But there are two more copies you can get on the wait list. Is it weird that yeah. I always buy books? No, 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 no. And there's a lot of places where you can sell the books back to them and get store credit and then buy books again. Half price books is awesome. We do it all the time. (laughs) We go to to half price books a lot. We do. But usually when I buy a book, I will listen to a ton of audiobooks. And then when I find ones I like, then I buy them. Because those that's when I want a copy of that book because I know I'm gonna read it again. If I bought every single book that I read I would be, 
I wouldn't have any room in my house for my bed. Yeah. And I would also be poor. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Goodwill and all those good places Mm -hmm. are for. Half price books. Um, I miss Hastings. The book fair that we're fixing to go to. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. My birthday present. Every year... The book, the uh, Metro Library book sale falls on my birthday weekend. When is that? That would be this coming, a week from today. You shut your mouth, I'm going. (laughs) It's going to be fun. I love the book sale. We stand in line for that sucker every year and we come, I have a little wheelie, um, it's a a rolling cooler. I'm going to have to bring my radio flyer. (laughs) Full of books. There's people that have radio flyers there. I mean... This Wagons, is a staple from my childhood, and my mom yes. teases me about me dragging my radio flyer around with books stacked in it. So I feel like it would be obligatory. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Five stars? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know I'll give it five again. I gave it five when I read it the first time, and I know I'll give it five when I go again. Well, I have not read this yet, so it'll be on my list. All right. We're skipping on to the next one, kids, so that we can get this in. Yes. Um, I, I was going to do a different book, but you know, as, as you know, I read a lot, so I usually have two or three and because this fits in, Mm -hmm. I'm going to change books midstream and it is about reincarnation. We like reincarnation. Yes. I didn't realize, I mean, you told me what you were going to read, but for some reason it just didn't click home. It's called Replay by Ken Grimwood. Now this is a book that back in the eighties, a friend lent this book to me. I read the book. I freaking loved this book. But of course, I gave it back to my friend and then promptly forgot the name of the book and the author. And I have spent the last 15 to 20 years looking for this book. Mm-hmm. So the other day, I you pull it up. Me about I did. This book. So the other day, I pull up and I'm going through the list on the Metro Library and I find this book. And this has happened to me a couple of times where I read the description and I go, oh, that's the book. That's the one. And then I get into it and I'm reading and I'm like, that's not the book. This is the book. Awesome. It was so awesome. Okay. The guy, he's sitting. I don't remember what the hell the guy's name was. You know, I never remember their names, but Mm -hmm. he's sitting at his desk (laughs) and he's talking on his phone and it's his wife and he picks up the phone and she's like, honey, we have to. And then he has a heart attack. And he dies right there at his desk. But then he wakes up and he is in the body of his college self. He wakes up in his college dorm room, but he has all of the memories of his life. So he remembers everything. So the very first thing he does when he really realizes that this has actually happened to him He immediately sells his car, cleans out his bank account, gets all the money he can get together, and he bets on the Kentucky Derby and wins. Because he he knows who's going to win. Because he remembers. He remembers. Oh, snap. So it's like he's reincarnated, (laughs) but reincarnated to himself with all his past memories. Exactly. And it's really trippy. So he goes through this cycle, this first cycle. First, he, he, he wins all this money, and then he tries to get with... Life. He <laughs> right. tries to get with his wife. Well, his wife won't have anything to do with him because he's this rich guy. And she's uh, like, well, who the hell are you? He won't have any... She won't have anything to do with him. So his life was completely different because he had money. Yes. He's 23 years old, and he's a multimillionaire. And she's immediately suspicious of him and won't have anything to do with him. Oh, I like that. So then, of course, his life becomes completely different. And he goes through it up to the age of 41 when he knows he's going to have this heart attack. So what he does is he's preemptive about it. He goes to the doctor. He has himself checked out. They look at his heart. They do all the stuff. And he dies of a heart attack anyway. And then he wakes up in his body six months later. Then the first time. Then he the woke first up. time he woke up. So then he's like, "Shit!" So he can't win the, he can't win the betting thing. <laughs> well, it, it's it's a bit like Groundhog Day. Have you ever seen that movie Groundhog Day? I, when I was a small child, it lives a life over it. and over and over again, the same day, over and over and right. over and over. But it's not that 
this this was written back before that. Right, and it's not on the same day that no, he keeps waking up. No, no, it's not on the same day. He goes through his whole, he goes through 41 or 40 years of his life each time. Well, I think it's like the second time, third time through, he, or fourth time, I don't remember which, he makes different choices every time. He still does the betting thing so that he can get the money, so that he can, but by this time, he's so sick of this shit. He, he buys this place in Oregon or someplace and just totally isolates himself from everyone. And he's, I don't know. Does he get the wife back though? No. Damn. He doesn't get the wife. He gets different women every time. And it totally messes with his head. I mean, he's totally freaked out. But he goes to the movies because this guy at the general store says, oh my, there's this poster for this movie. And for some reason it just, it hits him. So he goes to see this movie and it's like he's he sees something familiar in it. Like this person has to be like me. So he finds a way to meet this woman that is the co-writer of the movie. And sure enough, she's just like him. She's reliving. Her she's life. reliving her life in the same way he is in a similar timeline. But she is 14 when she starts over. So the first, their first cycle together is really interesting. And that, that, that was the best part of this whole book for me. Oh, is goodness. he's 19 and she's 14. And they've been together, you know, for half of their, this lifetime. And we're lovers. And they have all this stuff in common. But they're both going to die at pretty much the same time. And go back to these really young ages when it's vastly But they're not sure exactly. <laughs> but, but each time it gets a little shorter. So they're not sure exactly when they're going to wake up. So he knows who she is and he calls up her house and her dad answers the phone and won't let him talk to her because she's only 14. So then he like waits outside her house or her school or something and tries to talk to her, but she doesn't remember him because she's not there yet, you know? So he writes her letters. He does all this creepy stuff. And she's like, who's this old guy messing around? You know, and like a, it was like a six, eight months down the line. She finally wakes up and then contacts him. So it's like this this love story then at this point. What is this book called, you guys? It's called Replay. I'm doing a lot of reading, <laughs> apparently. Well, it's just really interesting because of the way he chooses to live his life each time. And the cycle gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. It's just fascinating to me. It was, it was, I really didn't expect to love it the second time I read it. For one thing, the thing that I remembered about it and liked about it when I was in my teens, when I read it the first time in the 80s, I was kind of a romantic soul back then. And I am totally not like that now. Don't like books like that at all. And I really did not expect to like it. But I freaking loved it. But it sounds like more than just a love story because you have the element of the fact that they're reliving their lives over yes. and over again. Exactly. Exactly. And as it turns out, you know, here's the interesting Is that even part. called reincarnation? I don't know. I if don't it, know. It, I don't know. But the, around, the, here's a really, really interesting part, okay? This guy that wrote this book he was going to write a sequel, but guess what? He died, he died. of a heart attack at, at an early age. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> now, how creepy is that? Maybe he's going to... He did write Hey, some, he, he did came write... back and then he did Groundhog Day. There you yeah, go. That's there what happened. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, they are going to make a movie out of it. It's one of those things that has made it to a certain stage and had a director at one point, and then the director dropped out, and then they did this, and they did that, and I got put on hold, and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, it'll make it to the screen, because it's such a freaking awesome story. I'll watch it. So, Ken Grimwood <laughs> is the four, Fahrenheit 451 over there. I couldn't help it. I'm like, I would, I would watch it. I um, mean, but I, I am an, yeah, a firm it, believer of the don't judge a book by its movie. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I don't think that it would really... As a movie, I think I would not be as impressed as I was by the book because of the sheer depth of all of the stuff that happens to him in his multiple lifetimes and the choices that he makes each time, he begins to realize that, you know what, 
it doesn't really matter. All of these choices that you make in your life are just choices. There's no grand plan. There's no perfect way to do things to make it, you know. That's both comforting and saddening. It is. But it was a very, I really felt conflicted at the end of it because it really did bring up a lot of interesting thoughts. Yeah. Because there's that part of you that's like, oh, well, that's good. Nothing matters. So I can stop being so hard on myself and relax a little bit. (laughs) But there's also that part of you that's like, nothing matters. Oh, my God. Nothing matters. (laughs) And what the hell am I doing? We're all going to die anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. So kind of a slight existential crisis. No big deal. Yes, but I really would recommend it. I, like I said, I did not expect to love that book. As much as I did the first time, and especially after looking for it for all these freaking years, I finally find it, and I still loved it. So that's pretty awesome. That's my story. I think I'd probably like it, even though it's, you know, quote unquote, a romance novel. It kind of is, yeah. I think just the fact that he's the dying and coming back into your own life, back and over and over and over again would the opportunity to make the I'm sort of jealous choices. and would like this to happen in my own life. I know, right? So I could be a millionaire mostly, let's be real. <laughs> well, you know what? You find out that that really... That he didn't like money? That he didn't well, even want it? No, it's just that that didn't seem to make a difference at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's the kind of thinking that people who have money think <laughs> Exactly. Well, does Give it, me that money chance over here. I'll take that money. Money can't buy you happiness. It's no, like, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it buys you security, and security is happiness, yes. honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we'd all <laughs> like the opportunity to give that a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> we would. Yes. It feels kind of weird, Nicole, not being here, but Kelly, you're awesome. Hey, thanks. Kelly, thanks for having me. We'd you're love having always you. a, a good addition to our team. Sweet. Thanks. You I like being here. It always, like I said, the last time I was here, it's one of those things where it kind of reminds me of college because you get onto that level of conversation that you often don't get into because people are very surface, Fahrenheit That's 51. That's the whole point <laughs> of doing this podcast is to get people to have these conversations. They should. Because you don't, you. this is not the kind of stuff that you talk about at work, which I wish it was. Right. But it make work a lot more interesting. Yeah, but everyone's, people are going to get their feelings hurt. It's kind of like me and this other Pussies. girl. At work, right. we talk back like and forth, be. and neither neither one of us are Trump fans. We don't really care for Trump all that much, but and the but the other two other people in our department are huge Trump fans, oh. and they get their feelings hurt if we say something bad about Trump. I love debating. I love having. I don't like debating when I'm supposed to be working. Me too, but men don't like debating with women, especially when women are winning. I like debating (laughs) if people are going to actually debate the right way with actual facts and, you know, thoughts and intelligence and not say, well, you're wrong and this is why. Right. Mm. And I did read up on (laughs) when I was, you know, discussing with other people during the election, I did read a lot of what Trump's campaign pledges were and what he wanted to do and some of the stuff made sense, made sense i thought the some same thing it, but then some of it was so out there yeah, but there was never anything the second debate up. he never. came out pretty strong yeah. at the very beginning of it and i was sitting back going oh god i hate that i'm liking him right now but i am and then of course you know it turned into a giant cluster and i was like yeah okay that that's more <laughs> right. like it you know he could only keep it together for about 10 minutes before it was like straight into like Ugh. his arguments were always ad hominem which is a fallacy in reasoning like attacking somebody is not defending your point yeah no, it does anything it's you it's a red herring like you're just distracting from the point you're making it about them instead of making it about the point that doesn't do anything point. that's the point of a lot of what I don't even his know. talks are. I don't think it's conscious that he's doing it, though. It it's subconscious isn't. because he's a child and gets angry. And he gets and his way because he's, always, he's rich. He's yes. always been like that. If you listen to, because, I mean, I Interviews grew up. Interviews from the 80s. I grew up <laughs> knowing, knowing who Trump was. I mean, Trump was always in the news and everything else, yeah, even when I was a little negative. kid. Do you remember when he was on The Simpsons running for president and yeah. everyone laughed? I know. God I help know. us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, girls, we're, we're going to have to stop. I, I hate know. to cut us off here. I know. 
but it, we've really seriously got to be done. And we're and way just off FYI, topic. if you are a Trump supporter, if you want to tell us why you like him, we will gladly debate you in an educational way. Unless it has anything with to facts. do with xenophobic comments, homophobic, racist. Well, that's why it's an education, <laughs> Facts not an that attack. actually come from factcheck.org. I like right. it. It's the only source we're going to take. <laughs> <laughs> no Fox News. No. Although right. Fox News called him out recently. I, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So, <clears throat> and I guess that makes the end today for three, three book, book girls. girls. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. Thank you. That was very nice, Kelly. Yes. Thank you. Oh.